Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. As a pastor, I do a lot of counseling, and so I've seen a lot of people in some very difficult situations, and it's not at all uncommon in those situations for people to have questions and even for people to struggle with questioning God or even get to a place where um, they're just bitter towards God, towards other people. Uh, Those things are, are not at all uncommon. In the counseling that I have done, I have yet to counsel somebody that has been sold into slavery by their own brothers. And that is where we really meet Joseph today as we look at Genesis 39 through 41. And as we look at these chapters, we find Joseph now in Egypt, sold there by his brothers. And put yourself in his shoes for a little bit. Don't you think you might struggle with bitterness towards his brothers, towards God? Well, what we're going to see today, and really through so much of the story of Joseph, first and foremost, we are going to see a faithful God. We are going to see God using all of these terrible things ultimately to accomplish his purposes. We're going to see that through all of this, Joseph is never forgotten by God. Today, we'll see him forgotten by somebody else, but he's never forgotten by God. We're going to see the faithfulness of God in this story. But today, I want to highlight just how Joseph remains faithful to this faithful God. And really, I think those things are going to be something that has to go together in our own life. For us to stay faithful, when we, at a human level, have every reason to be bitter, we're going to have to trust that God really is the faithful God that he says that he is. Now, let's see even the faithfulness of Joseph in response to the faithfulness of God, specifically in Genesis 39. Genesis 39 tells the familiar story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Whereas Joseph works in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife is now trying to seduce Joseph. And as she attempts to do this, look at what Joseph says. In verse 8, after she has made this attempt, he says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, Because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What an amazing testimony, even in such a difficult time. That in that moment, he is saying, I can't sin against God. When when many of us would say, well, if I was in his shoes, I'd be pretty bitter towards my brothers. Honestly, I'd probably be pretty bitter against God. Here, he is still saying, how could I sin against God? 
And he literally, eventually in this chapter, flees from sexual immorality. He runs away. And then he is falsely accused. He is imprisoned. And then in these next couple chapters, we really see the faithfulness of God at work. We see God using Joseph. And that's where you might be able to say, well, Joseph, that's a nice story. You know, everything works out so nicely for him. Have you read this? Are you looking at what's going on? It works out so nicely for him. He was sold into slavery. And then as a slave, he is falsely accused and thrown into a prison that is described in our passage today as the pit. He is thrown into there. And then even there, he is forgotten. The the chief cupbearer forgets about Joseph, even after Joseph interprets his dream and doesn't remember anything for two whole years. Where were you two years ago? Now imagine being in prison that whole time. And more than that, imagine being in prison that whole time when you're waiting for help from somebody that has promised to help you. Things were not working out so well for Joseph. And yes, God works it all together, but this was something that took time and involved pain and suffering for Joseph. But we see in the midst of all of it, he has a trust in God. He even has a fear of God, right? A sense that he should not sin against God. And so that's where I hope that all of us today and As we continue to read through the example of Joseph, that we are amazed at the faithfulness of God and that we grow in our trust in God and that that growth in our trust in God helps us to remain faithful to God. Because there will be a time when you are tempted, a time when everything in your life seems to be going wrong. And you might be able to try to rationalize with yourself, oh, I deserve this temptation. I deserve something that feels good. And and maybe that's a a sexual temptation like it was with Joseph. Or or maybe it is just a temptation to be bitter or to get revenge on somebody. Or maybe it's a a financial temptation that you're going through so many trials that you say, I I deserve to to do this or I'm going to take this for myself when, when it's not mine to take. In those moments, may we trust that God is faithful and may we respond like Joseph and say, how could I do this sin against God? I hope we learn a good lesson about remaining faithful to a faithful God from Joseph. And speaking of a faithful God, we're reminded more of how we should live in light of that as we go now to Matthew. In the New Testament, we're still looking at passages connected to the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're looking at Matthew 6, 19 through chapter 7, verse 6, and then Luke 6, 37 through 42. And as we look at especially Matthew chapter 6, it is really talking a lot about money. It's talking a lot about anxiety, and a lot of it is really going to encourage us towards the faithfulness of God. Uh, We're reminded that God is going to provide for us. Uh, If he provides for the birds, if he provides for the grass of the field, how much more will he not provide for us? And and one verse, again, we're we're thinking, how do we live in light of the faithfulness of God? One verse maybe just to to think about, because it really is kind of a, a cornerstone on which what comes before that verse hangs and what comes after. It's verse 24, which says, No man can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so as we consider that, we really should lift our own hearts up in prayer to God and say, God, what am I living for? Am I living for you or am I living for money? And that can be a fine line for us. And that's why I think prayer is so essential. Prayer, honest prayer, and openness with God. You can't fool God, but but going to God and bringing your heart to Him, I think is one of the most helpful things you can do because money is not something that we should be seeking after in a sense that it's the Lord of our lives, but money is necessary. We need money to pay our bills, to buy groceries, to do our business. Money is required for all of those things, but is money our master or is money a servant in our lives? And that's where we have to seek God. And and that's where what comes before and what comes after are so important, right? We're not supposed to be laying up treasures on this earth. Our goal is to lay up treasures in heaven. Are you using your money just to lay up treasures on earth or are you stewarding your money in a way for eternity? That's one thing that will reveal whether we're whether money is our master or not. And then also we look at this passage on anxiety in the rest of Matthew 6. If money is our master, we will be slaves to anxiety. But if it is not, then we can trust God. And there we see that, but no, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So spend some time praying today and just saying, God, you know my heart. Would you show me the place that money has in my life? Money has to be in all of our lives. We can't live and do life in this world without it. But is it my master or is it my servant? And just go to God, ask him to reveal that to you. Use this, you know, ask yourself, am I really just hoarding up treasure on earth? Am I anxious all the time about money or financial things? I need to trust this faithful God and to seek him first. And finally, as you consider those first few verses of Matthew 7, or that really helps us get into the verses in Luke today, judge not and you will not be judged. That's so often kind of misinterpreted as a blanket um, banishment of all kinds of judgment when everybody's making judgments all the time and some of them are necessary. But I do think in verse 38 there in Luke 6, where it says, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So I don't think this is a prohibition on all kinds of judgment, but it's saying it's a prohibition on wrong kinds of judgment. And notice that the pair, um, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned, forgive and you will be forgiven, give and it will be given to you. It's basically the the thrust of this passage is telling us to be generous people. Don't judge people's motives. Don't assume the worst about people. Don't condemn people. Forgive people. Be generous to people because the measure that you use is what's going to be given back to you. So consider those things as you consider your own attitudes. So as we consider our own actions and attitudes, let us remember one of the main lessons from today, God is faithful. And let that reality help us to remain faithful to Him. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.